Hello, welcome to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Glad to be here with you on a lovely Chico afternoon. I'm appreciative that you have time to spend with me. It's been a very hot week or two, as you already know. Stay cool if you can. I know it's very, very unpleasant to be out in the sun, uh, not able to at least stay in an air-conditioned car or house because it's it's very, very hot. So be careful. It's been a little while since I've been able to be on the air, but I've got a few interesting articles for you today. I've been... I've been very busy doing a lot of taxes. I'm watching I'm watching the um the whole thing with the Biden administration's tax ideas. Part of the law that did get changed is the child credit that they're beginning to send as an advanced child credit during the year. So instead of getting like a $3600 credit for your Child under six, I believe it is. It might be under seven. I don't have that memorized yet. They'll send that out automatically, kind of like the stimulus payment was. The problem with that is that if you're used to getting those child credits when you file your tax return as a refund or to make your uh, refund higher, whether it's actually refunded or not, that's a technical uh, technicality that I won't get into. It's a little bit complicated, but... If you are the type of person who likes to get a bigger refund and you have children, there is a way you can opt out of the advance payments of these child credits. And that is something to think about. Uh, I don't have the link handy, but if you need help with that, you could call my office. We can get you that link. And you can go in and tell the government, no, I don't want you to send these in advance. I'd rather claim the credits when I do my income tax. And that might be something that you would like better than to do it the other way. And uh, that's just the the only thing I can think of to help with that because some people are going to get all these credits during the year. They're going to get the credits during the year and then at the end of the year they're going to say, hey, where's my big refund? And the the reason they're not going to be getting it is because they already got it as a prepaid, but at $300 a month per child, uh, you might have to actually, you may be spending that before you, you know, remember. And then each month that $300 or $600 if you have two children, it could end up being that those just kind of disappear and then you don't remember that you got them. But anyway, if you have children and you don't want to get your credits in advance, I recommend that you opt out of it so that you can keep the credits for later. And that would just be, that's one of the, this, the recommendation. It just depends on how you like, how you like to get your refund. So today, I am looking at, well, I'm just going to basically, 
fill you in on some things that I think are important. Uh, I'm actually looking for an article right now that I wanted to read to you, but I'm going to uh, I'm going to start with a different one first, and uh, that will be because I'm not I'm not a computer expert, and I'm not finding everything I wanted to find. So I am going to go to the article that I was planning on sharing with you. And this is along the lines of what I usually like to talk about, which is all of the money's been stolen is kind of the premise that I go by. And when we talk about business, there's business that uh, on the level that I do and uh, my clients do, we get up every morning, we work very hard, we have lots of obligations, we have to buy insurance, we have to pay a fair wage with all kinds of labor laws when we hire people, uh, clients who have larger businesses. Uh, I think about it a lot. Think of how many people they hire. They, you know, people who hire other people are really helping. It's really a help to the economy. But when the prices go up, it's because the prices of everything else is up and uh, everybody's going to have to raise their prices to make up for that. But what I'm saying is that the average guy like me and the people that I work with generally are hardworking. We pay a, pay a lot of tax when we make money, which, of course, the goal when you work is to make money. But it's not the only goal. But what I'm trying to get to is that there's a big, big group of people that I'm talking about, like myself and my clients, who work hard, try to save, try to raise their family, uh, try to stay within the bounds of the law and all that and not overstep anything or do anything, quote, wrong. And then there's the other group of people who seem to have all of the money. And if you understand what I'm talking about and if you've listened to Business Buzz for a while, I've told you enough about the missing trillions and all that that there's no reason for you not to have at least listened to what I said and or done a little research on your own to learn a little more, which is what I always encourage. But I've got a really good article here, and this is a guy I've been listening, I've been reading for quite a few years. It's an article from zerohedge.com. It came out today. It's by Charles Hugh Smith via Of Two Minds. His blog is called Of Two Minds, just like it sounds. And the, the title of this article is, and when I saw this come out today, it's like that was perfect timing for the radio because that's exactly my thoughts. But he's already put it into writing, and I'm just going to quote him. The title is The $50 trillion plundered from workers by America's aristocracy is trickling back. And he says, as I often note here, when you push the pendulum to an extreme of wealth and income inequality, it will swing to the opposite extreme, minus a tiny bit of friction. The depth of America's indoctrination can be measured by the unquestioned assumption that capital should earn 15% every year, rain or shine, while workers are fated to lose ground every year, rain or shine. So I'll just uh, interject here when he says capital should earn 15%. That's the theory that if some guy invests $100 million into a, a big business, 
it should return uh, fifteen million a year based on a fifteen percent return of capital. So I'm going to continue with this article. And if wages should ever start ticking upward even slightly, then the billionaires' apologists are unleashed to shout that higher wages mean higher inflation, which will kill the economic recovery. And the recoveries in quotes. Said another way, if wages stagnate so workers lose ground every year as inflation in essentials rising, that's the way it should be. If wages rise so workers can keep up with inflation, then that will trigger an inflationary death spiral. That this indoctrination is so widely accepted reveals the success of America's aristocracy in reshaping the narrative to make their plundering appear to be inevitable. But the siphoning of $50 trillion from workers to the aristocracy and the nobility's control of political power was anything but inevitable. It was engineered by policies that enriched billionaires, the top 0.01% aristocracy, and the top 10% who own 90% of America's productive capital. The wholesale transfer of wealth and income from workers to capital was documented by a RAND Corporation report, Trends in Income from 1975 to 2018. Time magazine summarized the findings. The top 1% of Americans have taken $50 trillion from the bottom 90%, and that's made the U.S. less secure. There are some who blame the current plight of working Americans on structural changes in the underlying economy, on automation, and especially on globalization. According to this popular narrative, the lower wages of the past 40 years were the unfortunate but necessary price of keeping American businesses competitive in an increasingly cutthroat global market. But in fact, the $50 trillion transfer of wealth the RAND report documents has occurred entirely within the American economy, not between it and its trading partners. No, this upward redistribution of income, wealth, and power wasn't inevitable. It was a choice, a direct result of the trickle-down policies we chose to implement since 1975. The net result of this four-decade siphoning of wealth income from workers was recently documented by a foreign affairs article, Monopoly versus Democracy. 10% of Americans now control 90% of all capital income in the country. Nearly half of the new income generated since the global financial crisis of 2008 has gone to the wealthiest 1% of U.S. citizens. The richest three Americans collectively have more wealth than the poorest 160 million Americans. In other words, the bottom 90% have very little stake in the status quo. They receive essentially zero income from America's stupendous $121 trillion hoard of private wealth and have essentially zero political influence, as documented in uh, an article called Testing Theories of American Politics, Elites, Interest Groups, and Average Citizens. The top 0.1% now own more than the bottom 80%. Uh, this is, it's an amazing, and it's an amazing, they show some charts. It's an amazing number. Now the worm has finally turned and workers are refusing to accept the neo-feudal dominance of the aristocracy, not by open revolts that the state 
can violently crash, but by indirect means. Fed up boomers are retiring. Fed up Gen Xers are cutting their hours, refusing to go back to the office, starting their own enterprises. And millennials are accept- assembling multiple income streams, building micro houses, and leveraging shortages of work shortages of workers for higher wages. The techno fantasy that's corporate America's fondest dream is automation of all labor. Get rid of all human workers and just manage the robots with loving care. But the reality is robots have limits. And I, as I explain in my book, Will You Be Richer or Poorer? Limits imposed by physics and finance. And so, weeping inconsolably, corporate America continues exploiting its workforce with the usual threats. You're powerless because we can automate your job or offshore it to lower Slobovia. That's a, that's a joking country name he made up, Slobovia. Contrast this with the real world. A young man of my acquaintance re- recently took a job at a corporate America big box outlet. His wage was $12 an hour, and all the power was, of course, in the hands of corporate America. He had no power over his schedule or anything else. In the script of the past four decades, corporate America, while crushing small businesses and buying the best government money can buy, could keep the serfs slaving away for stagnating wages, all in service of maximizing corporate insiders' stock options, buybacks, and soaring profits. This individual was tipped off to a much better opportunity, and when he gave notice to the big box manager, the manager corralled him for two hours, first offering a $3 an hour raise, and then badgering to say on as a serf on the big box plantation. He refused. This is the pure distillation of corporate America and the aristocracy. If they'd offered this hardworking individual the 25% raise after he proved his worth, then maybe he wouldn't have been so motivated to seek better opportunities elsewhere. At long last, some of the $50 trillion plundered from workers is trickling back to the people who actually create the income and wealth. As a thought experiment, consider an economy in which farmers and workers reaped 15% gains annually like clockwork. Well, we got that first break. I'm going to continue with this article in just a minute. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'll be right back. Nothing hurts my mom that she showed anyway. She'd always say, you do what you need to do to take care of yourself. But she thought that meant she had to do it on her own. We were trained to help others, but there's strength in finding help for yourself too. We're in this together. The VA Women Veterans Call Center connects veterans with personalized information on VA services that can make a difference. Call 1-855-VA-WOMEN or visit www.womenshealth.va.gov. Redemption is real. He promises to remove your sins away from you so far you'll never find them again. He promises to bury your sins in the deepest sea. David Hawking shares why we can always trust God to keep His promises, including His promise to forgive. This week on Hope for Today. Tune in for Hope for Today weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX. 
That newborn baby is going to need a lot of special nourishment in order to grow up healthy and strong. The same is true for those who are new in their walk with Jesus. The Bible says they need spiritual milk to nourish their souls at a critical point in their life. That's what we try to provide with the teaching and talk on our station. And when you send them your financial support, you are helping to accomplish something powerful. You're helping us get spiritual nourishment to those who vitally need it. So thanks for looking out for those newborns of all ages. Tell your friends about Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, taking a much-deserved break from doing taxes on extension and catching up all the work people are waiting for me to finish. I will be getting them done. Have no fear. I always do. Not often as, not always as quickly as everybody would like, but I always do. So I'm going to finish the last paragraph of this article because I think it's very appropriate. At long last, some of the $50 trillion plundered plundered from workers is trickling back to the people who actually create the income and wealth. As a thought experiment, consider an economy in which farmers and workers reaped 15% gains annually like clockwork, and corporate America's insiders, financiers, and speculators, and Wall Street's parasites all lost 15% of their wealth and income every year like clockwork. In other words, imagine the $50 trillion flowing back to those who generated it from those who looted it. As I often note here, when you push the pendulum to an extreme of wealth and income inequality, it will swing to the opposite extreme minus a tiny bit of friction. The serfs are quietly slipping away, and the aristocracy, blinded by hubris and greed, believes nothing will ever change because, well, their wealth and power is deserved. What they really deserve will manifest in the next four years as the chairs at the banquet of consequences are shuffled. Hmm. Well, you know, that that does kind of ring a bell with me because I have a lot of clients who are, they're younger people generally, and they stumbled upon that weird thing called Bitcoin 10 years ago. And the ones that jumped on it, like I wish I would have, uh, have a lot of money and all due to investing in something other than holding on to those U.S. paper dollars. And remember what Voltaire famously said, all paper currency ends up going down to its intrinsic value zero. And uh, there is no exception. There's no exception in history. Okay, so that was talking about the overall income inequality over the last 45 years, which I've been pointing out. I'll never forget the night they voted for NAFTA. I was, I had the, I was glued to the radio. It was on every TV station, and I was working, so we were listening to the radio. And it was broadcast live, and I'll never forget our rep, local representative, Wally Herger, right up till the day before NAFTA vote, he told us he was not going to vote for it, and I'll be darned when they voted for NAFTA, which was the beginning of the end of the U.S. economy, Wally Herger voted for it. And that, that's why no matter what anybody tells me about Wally Herger, I'll never trust anything he ever did. And I'm not an expert on his career. I'm not knocking him. Uh, for all I know, somebody had a 
somebody had a blackmail or a bribery on him and he had no choice. That's probably what happened. Uh, based on what I've learned lately, I would guess that anytime you see a congressperson acting weird and voting strangely, it's probably because someone has something on them, either a blackmail or a bribe, and uh, they do not have a choice with how they're going to vote. How they're going to vote. Uh, it's my opinion. I don't really care who agrees with me. Uh, I've seen it over and over. And that Wally Herger vote on NAFTA is a perfect example. Somebody probably called him the night before the vote and reminded him of some little videotape they had or something like that. And uh, you better vote for NAFTA. Now, I'm not saying Wally Herger is a criminal. I'm just saying that there's something very suspicious with a flip-flop like that from a, quote, conservative representative. That's, that's my opinion. So now we'll get into the little bit of the business of... Hang on, I'm looking for one thing in my computer, and I'm not going to find it. Dang, i got to learn how to use this tablet. Now we're going to get into the business of medicine, my favorite subject, my second favorite subject. Besides all of the wealth of America being ripped off, that's my number one favorite subject. Uh, related to that is uh, physical gold and silver can save you from deteriorating paper money value in your pocket and in your bank account. That's my second favorite subject. My third favorite subject, since I had a brother who was an orthopedic surgeon, and, uh, you know, nice enough guy, but not really. And honestly, he made way too much money for, he just made way too much money. And so the other subject I love is the business of medicine. And it is a business. It's a huge business. So the latest thing about medicine in our world is the whole vaccine and virus issue. So first, I just wanted to quickly point out that anybody who took the vaccine, if you do get a reaction, you should have researched before you did it because it's an experimental vaccine, not approved by the FDA for any kind of safety. You can't sue the manufacturers if it hurts you. And those emergency use medicines like this are only supposed to be utilized when there's no other no other treatment for this disease. Now, the problem is, now that we're a year and a few months out of the start of the COVID lockdowns, the problem is we're now finding out that, number one, it wasn't a natural virus. I think that's pretty much been conclusive that it was lab-created. Number two, they're still sort of acting like it escaped accidentally, but in my opinion, there is no way it was an accident. So it's actually a biological warfare that was imposed on the world. And number three, they would not allow any treatments to the, quote, virus other than the vaccine, which would have nullified. I mean, if they had allowed for the fact that in their medical works, there was treatments for the virus, I'm not going to mention any names. You guys know what I'm talking about. The fact that there was treatments, there should never have been an emergency authorized vaccine use. So 
what I will say is anybody who's had a bad reaction to one of these vaccines, you should have done your research before you took them because they are not required and they're not FDA approved. And if they do hurt you, you can't sue anyone. Now, I do agree there's quite a few people who have told me they have been vaccinated and they don't seem to have a lot of side effects. So hopefully, hopefully I'm all, I'm all wrong. So I'm going to read this article that came out uh, dated July 10th from Institute for Political Economy, which is a guy named Paul Craig Roberts. I think he used to be like the chief economist for the White House under Reagan or something. He's an older guy. But I'm going to read this article here that's called Deaths from COVID Vaccine So High That the Fact Can No Longer Be Suppressed. Deaths from COVID vaccine so high that the facts can no longer be suppressed. 17,503 dead, 1.7 million injured, 50% seriously, reported in Europeans, European Union's database of adverse drug reactions for COVID-19 shots. FDA safety surveillance of COVID-19 vaccines analysis of adverse event outcomes. And there's links in this article to that. So-called facts check. So-called fact-checkers are disinformation organizations set up by the interest groups they are hired to protect, such as Big Pharma. He says, never believe a fact-checker. And he says, the COVID vaccine continues to kill people everywhere. And there's links to a lot of uh, deaths after getting the vaccine. Then there's a report, 13-year-old dies in sleep after getting COVID-19 vaccine, CDC investigating. I'm going to have to go to that one just to see what the details look like. This is News Channel 8. So I'm not reading this from some tinfoil hat website. This is a, gosh darn it, gosh darn it, Martha. This is a, this is a major, this is a major network station reporting this. Martha? So it says the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is investigating the death of a 13-year-old boy who died days after getting a second dose of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine in Michigan. The boy, Jacob Kleinick, had no known underlying medical conditions. Well, there's that second break. I'll be right back on Business Buzz. Stay tuned. This message reaches a million people or more every week. Spreading the gospel is more than one voice speaking to a million. It is and must continue to be a million voices, each speaking to one, pointing them to our friend Jesus. The Lutheran Hour with Dr. Michael Ziegler. The Lutheran Hour, Saturday and Sunday at 1.30 here on KKXX. The New Testament on Genesis. This is Ken Ham, encouraging all churches to start their thinking with God's Word. Last year, a famous apologist said that Genesis was mytho-history, but that's not what the New Testament writers believed. Luke traces Jesus' genealogy all the way back to Adam. He understood Adam as historical and foundational to understanding Jesus as the Savior. The Apostle Paul said God made everyone from one man, that the first man was Adam, and he brought death into the world. 
Paul clearly believed Adam and the fall were historical. The Apostle Peter mentions both creation and the flood as real events and even says scoffers will deny them. The New Testament authors, well, they believed Genesis was history because, well, it is. Subscribe to receive free daily email insights from Ken Ham when you go to AnswersRadio.com and discover more about our life-size Noah's Ark at AnswersRadio.com. When life hits us hard, we begin asking hard questions, and we need real answers. Suddenly, the laughter of the sitcom seems so shallow, and sappy love songs offer no real hope or direction. But piercing through the static of entertainment comes a glimpse of clarity. Here we are, a radio station with answers. Most entertainment helps you escape reality. We help you face it with hope, peace, and answers that come from God. Lock it in here for Real Life Answers. You're listening to Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Just want to remind you I am not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. I wouldn't be able to go through medical school. Not that not that I couldn't learn it. I think I could, but something about cutting people open and body parts does not appeal to me. My brother loved it. I never did. So I'm going to continue with this uh, article. The boy Jacob Kleinick had no known underlying medical conditions, according to his family. Quote, CDC is aware of a 13-year-old boy in Michigan who died after receiving a COVID-19 vaccination. Spokeswoman Jade Folsey said in an email to the Detroit News, this case is currently under investigation, and until the investigation is complete, it is premature to assign a specific cause of death. Well, I think we can, I think we can get a probable going, don't you think, Jade? You think we could get a probable cause figured out, Jade? Yeah, I'm going to continue. Kleinick's aunt, Tammy Barajas, told the Detroit Free Press he received his second dose of the Pfizer vaccine June 13th at a Walgreens store. She said he had a stomach ache on June 15th and had complained of fatigue and fever, common post-vaccine symptoms. He died on June 15th. He passed away in the middle of the night at home, Barajas said. Now remember, this is a 13-year-old boy and... You know how, you know how thirteen-year-old boys are. They're usually pretty healthy, unless they get too many shots. So I'm going to continue. County health officials told the newspaper that the medical examiner's office had conducted an autopsy, and Kleinick's death was reported to the CDC. The investigation as to whether there is a correlation between his death and vaccination is now at the federal level with CDC. The Saginaw County Health Department said in a statement. Meanwhile, the health department continues to encourage families to speak with their physicians to weigh their own risks and benefits of vaccination. Well, based on what I know, if you ask a physician, uh, 95% of the time he's going to say, take the shot. I'm sure maybe there's a few that don't say that. Okay. The boy's family said an autopsy showed his heart was enlarged when he died and had fluid around it. We are currently looking at toxicology, tissue reports, blood work, Dr. Russell Bush, the medical examiner for Saginaw County, said. There will be discussions with the CDC and Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. 
Obviously, everyone is concerned with this case. We're doing everything we can as far as testing and looking at potential problems related to the young man's death. When a serious adverse event like death is reported to the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, VAERS, after COVID-19 vaccination, CDC requests and reviews all medical records associated with the case, including death certificates and autopsy reports. While some reported adverse events may be caused by vaccination, others are not and may have occurred coincidentally. In May, the CDC said it was investigating reported cases of heart problems in teenagers and young adults who received the COVID-19 vaccine. According to CDC data, there have been more than 1,200 cases of myocarditis or pericarditis, mostly in people 30 and under who received Pfizer's or Moderna's vaccine. Okay, so I'm not going to bore you with everything, but I mean, uh, hmm, that's pretty suspicious when a 13-year-old boy dies in his sleep. I mean, I can remember when I was a kid, I mean, I'd be sick as heck or I'd have a bad flu bug or a horrible cold and I could go to sleep feeling like death warmed over, but I sure as heck didn't die in my sleep with an enlarged heart. So I would say, and the really the worst part about that, I do know a family who has a grandchild that was injured by a, not a COVID vaccine, but by a DPT vaccine. And that child is permanently disabled for their entire life. Unbelievable. And there's no recourse. There's no recourse for parents. When you go to sue a vaccine maker, there's just no recourse. There's a funky fake uh, court called the, vaccine court that you can go to and they, you know, they just make your life miserable for 10 years and then dole out a small, a small, um, settlement later after they make you fight with lawyers. It's, uh, unbelievable. How can you have an entire, how can you have an entire industry like vaccines that has zero liability to the maker? Now, the problem is that's the, is what I understand, and I'm not an attorney. I don't play one on television. What I understand is the limited the limitation on liability for vaccines extends to the maker. It does not extend to the middleman. I believe, I believe that if a company were to require vaccinations right now, and you were to be injured by that vaccine, I believe your boss could be liable for having forced you to take a vaccine to keep your uh, to keep your job. Now one other rule that's very important to remember in the coming days because there's lots of lawsuits that uh, one thing that does amaze me about the news and as you know on Business Buzz I've been telling you for years I haven't believed I used to read the mainstream news and the newspapers because I really didn't have a choice but ever since the internet came along there's so many choices of information. You can read all different sides, and then you can do your own research and see what you think is correct. So what amazes me is I'm at work, but I always take my lunch break, and I read what I can on lunch break. I listen to what I can on my commute time. What I'm noticing is the complete chasm of complete difference between what I hear and what I learned happened today and the day before when I listen and read my information 
when I come home, I always ask my family, was this on the news? And then I'll mention a topic that I've been interested in from that day's, uh, quote, news that I read. And so I asked them at home, was this on the, quote, news, the mainstream garbage news that you've been watching on CNN and NBC all day? And it always ends up that they have not heard one word of that. And one of the things you're going to be hearing about, I don't know when, there is a lawsuit against uh, Twitter, Google, which is YouTube, and Facebook. And the bottom line of this law is, if you are the government, you cannot infringe on the Bill of Rights. And one of the Bill of Rights is freedom of speech. The catch in the law is you also cannot ask someone else to do that for you. In other words, if you're a congressman or a speaker of the House, I mean, you know, randomly, that could be that type of position. <clears throat> Get it? So if you're a congressman or a speaker of the House, you cannot legally ask someone to do something that you can't do directly. In other words, since you can't tell uh, Joe Smith on uh, Joe Smith on Facebook that he cannot say anything about those vaccines, you also cannot tell someone else to tell Joe Smith he can't say anything about the vaccines. Now, what turns out, if you want to really learn something interesting, which hopefully you do, uh, you won't hear this anywhere. There's a guy, I think I've mentioned this before, maybe on Business Buzz. There's a guy named Dr. Shiva. He is supposedly, I haven't read his history, he's an older guy. He invented email. He's like a billionaire internet pioneer inventor. And he, to make a long story short, he ran for the Senate in Massachusetts. He was cleaning up uh, probably 70 to 30 over the chump. Republican they had up against him for the primary. He was campaigning. The other guy wasn't. Does this sound familiar to any other races you've heard of lately? He was campaigning like crazy with big rallies. The other guy wasn't even campaigning. And lo and behold, when the night of the primary came, whoops, the other guy won. So Dr. Shiva basically tore into everybody and just said, hey, I'm suing. We're going to get to the bottom of this. There's no way that guy who didn't campaign beat me. Uh, I know this sounds familiar, but this is a completely different thing than the one you're thinking of. So in the discovery of this case where Dr. Shiva is suing to get all the records of these election results, it turns out that the state of Michigan government, employ, uh, government uh, people like representatives and executive branch had a hotline to Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and they were telling them who to take off the air. So Dr. Shiva, when he was doing all these posts on Facebook about what was going on with his case, and I'm coming up on that third break, so I'll have to go in a minute and I'll come back. So he was going hog wild on Facebook with all these things about his case. Well, they just cut him off and cut, off his, uh, cut out his channel. And all the people I used to listen to all the time a year ago, their channels all got cut off and, and gone. So they had to move to other platforms. So in this case, Dr. Shiva has proven in court that the state was acting via 
Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube to censor people's freedom of speech indirectly. Now, that is what's coming in this new big lawsuit. And as time goes by, we'll start hearing a lot more about it. What's probably going to occur is that it's likely that the National Congress has been basically taking away people's right of free speech via the level of big tech companies, which they can't do that, as I explained earlier. If you can't do it directly as a government agent, you cannot make, have someone else do it for you. That doesn't work. So that's a huge thing coming up. When I went to law school, I've got a law degree. I'm not an attorney. Here comes that third break. I'll see you on Business Buzz in just a minute. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. you call 911. But what about life's other problems? When crisis hits, or tragedy, or life just gets to be too much, people often turn to Christian media like Christian Radio. And we're glad to be here as a lifeline to offer answers. But our programs can only be here for them when people just like you send regular financial support. So thanks for helping us be there for someone who might need a spiritual 911. Tell your friends about Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. One nation under God with liberty and justice for all. Fellow Americans united, we can grow strong to protect the blessings of liberty for ourselves, our children, grandchildren, and their children. Let us read and understand the life, freedom, and property protecting principles of the Constitution and embrace the godly wisdom our founding fathers instilled in our one nation under God. America, bless God. Hope you enjoyed your meal. And I just want to say, he's lucky to have a brother like you. Lucky? Caring for my brother is far from easy. But he's a part of me, like my arms and legs, so I'll be his. No time for tired. Nothing can disable this love. He needs me. But I'm the lucky one, even though I need help now and then. If you're caring for a loved one, visit aarp.org caregiving for care guides and community. Support for your strength. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, giving you some alternative business news. Well, I, I kind of make the news articles I'm very interested in at a business angle. We just talked about the business of medicine. And don't forget, with all this complaining I'm doing about vaccines, and these latest things aren't even vaccines, they're just experimental drugs. Uh, They haven't been approved by the FDA. Uh, Just one of the reasons I'm, that's one of my favorite topics is, uh, think about the amount of money that it's being made from the, uh, the pharmaceutical companies are making on this. We're talking you know, a billion vaccinations. I'm sure they're getting, uh, I don't know, five or 10 bucks a piece from 
all these world governments that are pushing the lockdowns and all that. I don't know if you've read how bad it is in Australia, but you should look into that if you're not aware because uh, those people need some those people need some prayer. I mean, we get treated like dirt and we have a constitution. Can you imagine how bad it is in Australia and New Zealand, England, France, where there's no constitution? I mean, at least we have the at least we have the appearance of rights. Okay, so one more quick business note. This is the business of this is the business of I'll just call it the business that's way bigger than drug trafficking. It's the business of human trafficking. It's been ignored for years and years, but I've got a great article. Because if anybody's interested or has noticed about the craziness of what's going on at the southern border with the immigration being pretty much wide open, I'll bet you haven't heard this. The title of this article, it's from... uh, it's from a website called humansarefree.com. It's from June 16th, and the title is Child Trafficking, Elite Pedophiles, Planes Carrying Unidentified Children Landing in Tennessee in the Middle of the Night. He says, all parties involved in this operation are refusing to answer questions. Some Tennessee officials say that migrant children are being transported in the middle of the night for human trafficking. On May 14th, a plane carrying children landed at the Wilson Air Center in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It was 1.30 a.m. In the following days, TV station WRCB spotted three other planes carrying between 30 to 50 children at the airport. Each time, the children came out of the planes wearing matching bags and entering buses that were headed to various destinations. First on three, late-night flights carrying migrant children arrive. Wire planes carrying unified, unidentified children landing in Tennessee in the middle of the night. So it says uh, the children are directed to buses that were waiting for them on the runway. Two of the four buses in the video are owned by Coast to Coast Tours of East Point, Georgia. According to a Coast to Coast employee, the buses were dispatched to Chattanooga as part of a contract with the United States Department of Defense. The employee says this was the first time the company had been asked to pick up migrant children in Chattanooga. In the past, the company's drivers have traveled to Mobile, Alabama, and Atlanta to transport children, according to the employee. She confirmed the two buses seen in the video left Chattanooga for Miami, Florida, and Dallas, Texas. She added that the children are not allowed to get off the bus during the trip, and three or four chaperones who are not employed by the bus company are on board at all times. She says the bus company requires chaperones when transporting children under the age of 18. Channel 3 reached out to Knoxville Tours, Little Rock Coaches, and Malone Bussing Services, all of which Channel 3 confirmed assisted over the weekend but have not heard back. Other than this employee, absolutely nobody involved in this operation was willing to provide any kind of information. From what I can tell, these flights were facilitated by Health and Human Services, said LTC Chris Mitchell, Lieutenant Colonel Chris Mitchell, I guess, uh, Department of Defense spokesperson. The only support DOD is providing with respect to the unaccompanied minors is land and facilities for HHS to temporarily house them. 
Channels 3 has reached out to HHS for comment but has not heard back. One source told the TV station that this operation was recently moved to small airports to avoid attention. A source with direct knowledge asked to remain anonymous tells Channel 3 approximately 30 to 50 minors are transported at a time, some to reunite with family members and others to go to group homes. Says the operation started in Dallas but moved to small airports recently to avoid attention. Why is there so much secrecy surrounding this operation? Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn stated that the transportation of migrants took in the dead of night without the knowledge or permission of the communities involved, she added. Our office has received no information from the Biden administration informing us of a mass transportation of migrants to Tennessee, said Blackburn. It is absolutely unacceptable if the Biden administration is facilitating a mass migration without any input or oversight from Tennesseans and the affected communities. On May 27th, another plane landed in Knoxville, Tennessee at 11.19 p.m. Again, it was filled with children. And it says, records show the plane originated in Long Beach, California, landed at McGee-Tyson Airport just after 11.15 p.m. It says, according to reports from CBS affiliate KCAL, hundreds of children found at the border were being held in a convention center in Long Beach, California. None of these children on board were accompanied by parents. And the only reason I read this, it's not to depress you, because that's pretty, pretty scary and pretty depressing. The reason I read it is because you will not hear that if you watch the regular news. And if your family watches the regular news, like some of my family does, they won't hear it. Of course, they don't want to hear it, and some people don't want to hear it. So uh, if that upsets you, I won't go any further, but it's a major problem. And there's more money in that than there is in the drug business. And I believe there's more money in that than there is in the drug and the weapons gun dealing business combined. So that is my commentary today on the business of my first article was on the business of stealing everybody's money. The second one was on, what was the second one on? Oh, the second one was on the business of medicine and how much money gets made by people who are not liable for liable for their actions. If they cause somebody harm. I mean, I know as me in business, if I've caused somebody harm, I'm liable for my actions, but some people aren't funny how that works. And my third article was the business of humans. And it's bigger than the business of drugs and guns combined. So don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Just listen to business buzz. No, actually, I'm not saying everything I say is true. I'm saying that there's a, there's a good chance that it may be true and you should at least hear both. You should at least hear both. Okay, I'm debating which part of this to read. I'm going to end on a lighter note, on a feel-good note. If I, if I read this same one a few weeks ago, I apologize, but it's, it's one of my favorites, so I'm going to read it again. I've got about... Five or six minutes left, that's what I'm going to do. 
This is from chapter 18 of A Course in Miracles. It's called The Basis of the Dream. It's chapter 18, part 2. Does not a world that seems quite real arise in dreams? Yet think what this world is. It is clearly not the world you saw before you slept. Rather, it is a distortion of the world, planned solely around what you would have preferred. Here you are free to make over whatever seemed to attack you and change it into a tribute to your ego, which was outraged by the attack. This would not be your wish unless you saw yourself as one with the ego, which always looks upon itself, and therefore on you, as under attack and highly vulnerable to it. Dreams are chaotic because they are governed by your conflicting wishes, and therefore they have no concern with what is true. They are the best example you could have of how perception can be utilized to substitute illusions for truth. You do not take them seriously on awaking because the fact that reality is so outrageously violated in them becomes apparent. Yet they are a way of looking at the world and changing it to suit the ego better. They provide striking examples both of the ego's inability to tolerate reality and of your willingness to change reality on its behalf. You do not find the differences between what you see in sleep and on awaking disturbing. You recognize that what you see on waking is blotted out in dreams. Yet on awakening, you do not ex expect it to be gone. In dreams, you arrange everything. People become what you would have them be, and what they do, you order. No limits on substitution are laid upon you. For a time, it seems as if the world were given you to make it what you wish. You do not realize you are attacking it, trying to triumph over it and make it serve you. Dreams are perceptual temper tantrums in which you literally scream, I want it thus, and thus it seems to be. And yet the dream cannot escape its origin. Anger and fear pervade it, and in an instant the illusion of satisfaction is invaded by the illusion of terror. For the dream of your ability to control reality by substituting a world that you prefer is terrifying. Your attempts to blot out reality are very fearful, but this you are not willing to accept. And so you substitute the fantasy, the, and so you substitute the fantasy that reality is fearful, not what you would do to it, and thus is guilt made real. Dreams show you that you have the power to make a world as you would have it be, and that because you want it, you see it. And while you see it, you do not doubt that it is real. Yet here is a world clearly within your mind that seems to be outside. You do not respond to it as though you made it, nor do you realize that the emotions the dream produces must come from you. It is the figures in the dream and what they do that seem to make the dream. You do not realize that you are making them act out for you, for if you did, the guilt would not be theirs and the illusion of satisfaction would be gone. In dreams, these features are not obscure. You seem to waken and the dream is gone. Yet what you fail to recognize is that what caused the dream has not gone with it. Your wish to make another world that is not real remains with you. And what you seem to waken to is but another form of this same world you see in dreams. All your time is spent in dreaming. Your sleeping and your waking dreams have different forms and that is all. Their content is the same. They are your protest against reality 
and your fixed and insane idea that you can change it. In your waking dreams, the special relationship has a special place. It is the means by which you try to make your sleeping dreams come true. From this, you do not waken. The special relationship is your determination to keep hold on unreality and to prevent yourself from waking. And while you see more value in sleeping than in waking, you will not let go of it. The Holy Spirit, ever practical in His wisdom, accepts your dreams and uses them as means for waking. You would have used them to remain asleep. I said before that the first change before dreams disappear is that your dreams of fear are changed to happy dreams. That is what the Holy Spirit does in the special relationship. He does not destroy it nor snatch it away from you. But He does use it differently as a help to make His purpose real to you. The special relationship will remain not as a source of pain and guilt, but as a source of joy and freedom. It will not be for you alone, for therein lay its misery. As its unholiness kept it a thing apart, its holiness will become an offering to everyone. Well, I'm running out of time today on Business Buzz. I thought I would share that with you. And man, every time I talk about alternative news, I start realizing that you have to you have to lighten it up a little bit, especially at the end of the show, or else you might people you might leave people. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully, I leave people thinking. That's my goal. What I really want is to leave people investigating, so that if I bring up a story that you don't really believe, like uh, a 13 year old boy dying two days after a experimental drug goes in him, um, I'm hoping that you'll do some more. Some more learning, some more research. Start reading about it. Start, start, you know, digging in a little bit if you care. If not, don't worry about it. You don't have to. I'm just hoping that people start reading more and learning more and listening to the alternative position instead of thinking there's only one answer to everything. Uh, that's, I think, the biggest mistake people make. They think there's one answer and they don't look for other opinions, other viewpoints, I'll say other possibilities, if that makes sense. So thanks a lot for listening to Business Buzz. I will be back next time. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Have a great week.